Welcome to Recess Now, 5-Minute Bit. I'm Ralph Seymour, Physician Assistant in Emergency Medicine and Critical Care. Today's topic is ketamine, its use in the emergency department and ICU. What can I say about ketamine? Besides, I love it. I love ketamine. I have always loved using it. I think that it's one of the most reliable tools that we have at our disposal. Ketamine acts on many receptors, okay? It's an NMDA receptor antagonist, and it binds to a portion of the GABA receptor complex. Ketamine does a lot of things, okay? Ketamine can increase circulating catecholamines in the bloodstream, okay? So then we can rely on ketamine most oftentimes, not all the time, but a lot of times, we can rely on ketamine to keep our vital signs positive instead of negative. That's what I love about ketamine. It's not hemodynamically unstable, okay? The next thing I love about ketamine is that there is some thought, because of this, this sympathetic stimulation, these catecholamines that ketamine seems to induce, the thought is that ketamine actually can cause some bronchodilation. So enter the asthma patient and you use ketamine as an induction agent and even perhaps a continuing uh, maintenance sedation type medication, the benefits seem to be, you know, to the max. I love ketamine. Have I said that already? I love it. The next thing about ketamine is that very few sedation medications, sedatives, hypnotics, all of the same, very few of them have analgesia. Now, ketamine has analgesia. Ketamine can help with pain as well as sedation. Now, everybody thinks that, oh, I, I zonk somebody out on Etomidate or Ativan or Midazolam or Propofol, and, you know, they don't know the difference. Everything's fine. Now, that's not true. That's not true. You have to give analgesia. And the, and the most important thing, I think, sometimes is giving somebody pain relief, especially when they're intubated, because you don't really know how much it hurts for a tube to be through your vocal cords in your trachea, and you're gagging, and you're uncomfortable, and it hurts. Ketamine has pain relief properties. Now, the thing about ketamine that needs to be debunked is the intracranial pressure. Does ketamine cause intracranial pressure? Should we shy away from ketamine in patients that have a head injury or a supposed head bleed or some sort of pressure in their brain? Well, I can tell you this. I don't think this has hit prime time because I think the dogma is so thick on this that people just aren't ready to do it. But the evidence has never supported any thought that ketamine increases intracranial pressure. There have been trials to that end. They have looked at this, and they really haven't seen any evidence. Now, really, to look at this, there were 10 trials involving 953 critically ill patients, all managed with intubation and mechanical ventilation, which concluded that the use of IV ketamine did not adversely affect patient outcomes, including mortality and neurologic outcome. So I think it's important to consider the evidence before we start throwing ketamine under the bus for things that it has never even been proven to do. Here's what you need to know about ketamine. You give it IV, 
and it's going to work right away in one circulatory cycle. You give ketamine, it's predictable, it's going to last a little bit longer, but that's okay because you don't take away somebody's breathing. They're not going to stop breathing unless you push it too fast. You push ketamine too fast, then a lot of people will stop breathing and then they pick up their respiratory pattern within about 10 to 20 seconds. Okay, so don't push it too fast. Some downfalls of ketamine are a few, uh, albeit rare, still possible. We should probably mention them, one of which is laryngospasm, which can occur and is most dangerous when you're using ketamine for sedation purposes, conscious sedation purposes, and you're not intending on paralyzing the patient and intubating them. Um, but this is usually a rare phenomenon. I've seen it once, and usually you can bag the patient through this, and it's very rare. Another one is increased oropharyngeal secretions. And if you think about this beforehand, glycopyrrolate premedication can be useful, and think about atropine in kids, but oftentimes suctioning will be sufficient. Hypertension and tachycardia in a patient that's already this way probably shouldn't receive ketamine so that's something to think about and certainly re-emergence phenomenon which is super bad nightmares and waking up sort of freaked out after the fact can be a problem but it's not usually a problem when using ketamine for intubating a patient because you're usually using concomitant benzodiazepines to sedate patient ongoing and that's usually the treatment for re-emergence. So those are the problems with ketamine. But ketamine is a reliable tool to pre-oxygenate patients. It has been thought to be a bronchodilator. The evidence that it increases intracranial pressure has always been poor evidence and mostly dogma. So I think if you're going to intubate a patient and you think about ketamine and you understand ketamine then you should use ketamine. This is Rhesus Now 5-Minute Bit. I'm Ralph Seymour, and we'll see you next time. I love ketamine.